Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody right. exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No one is in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the Hello and welcome to episode 223 of the spitballing pod it is a lovely bank holiday monday probably be a tuesday by the time you're listening to this the sun is shining myself jack tk all three of us here just a three-man pod today so uh we've given alex something to listen to at work tomorrow bit of a quiet week so we've just got some football to get into harland seems to be spoken about as much as uh jose Mourinho on here at the moment so we've got a bit more on him maybe some ufc we'll see how we go and you'll both be pleased to know we do have the return of I Can't Believe That Was On TV. So we do have plenty to get into, and that's just the intro. So we'll go straight into news of the week, where we've got a bit. Um, Woman upset with weight opens fire in Tennessee Burger King drive-thru, police say. (laughs) (laughs) They open fire? For a whopper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do you open fire? Oh, open fire, as in, like, she starts, yeah, starts shooting a gun. I did this image in my head where <laughs> she had, like, a jar of fire, and she just thought, you know what? <laughs> this is the right time and the right place to use this. You've, uh... I've been you've, had... I'm, you've I'm still always, got the uh, effects of Saturday coming over you. Mate, <clears throat> it could not be worse. Like, I'm right smack bang in the middle of a two-day hangover as well. But I just... I thought they were myths. I thought they were, like scary stories that were told to under 25s that to say well this is all going to end soon all the fun's going to stop thought no that'll never happen to me and lo and behold two-day hangover absolutely horrible yeah I, I was having a drink briefly with tk on saturday and then left on the thinking that i would enjoy arsenal liverpool more um couldn't have been <laughs> further from the truth i don't i think honestly if we because we're not going to speak about it today if we'd won three nil i still don't think i'd have enjoyed that match particularly it was horrific. It was a hideous watch. Isn't it? <laughs> Just more of a bonus if you are on the winning side. Mm. Um, a factory worker jumped into a molten steel furnace after losing more than nine grand on the stock market. <laughs> Jesus. They, they at least have the presence of mind to say, hasta la vista, baby. As he did it. <laughs> well, I mean, the. There's, there's a lad we've referred to on here before, um, and as I said previously, his uh, name does rhyme with waft, um, who used, used to bet awful amounts when we were working in the call centre and seeing him put his head in his hands at like three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon because he <laughs> bet on like some over 12 corners and like an Indian football match. Um, 
not quite nine grand, but I think it was uh, certainly in the four-figure mark. But I See, don't think he goes down I, that we, route anymore. I, I had this lad that used to do it in our football team, and one year he won twenty-eight grand at the Cheltenham races because he staked like a grand or something in a, like a three or four. Fold. Yeah, it came in, and he was going absolutely mental. And one, I was thinking. How many grand forefolds have you put on for that? To yeah, come on? <laughs> I, I don't want to dig this kid out too much, but most of our audience don't know him, and the rest that do probably know this story already. But yeah, he also won a fortune, um, quit work to kind of wallow in his winnings at about 19 years old, and then had to come back a couple of months later because he'd blown it all. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so his bank statement was like. Um, just eat and JD Sports basically at that time and like bet Fred and then yeah I had to come back to work oh my oh. god oh Jesus gave himself um, two months off there happy days yeah baby in Iraq is the first ever human documented with three penises oh Christ <laughs> there's chemical one of them that like easy. back in the day people would like talk up like there'd be like four-year-old blokes go, oh he's a lucky boy he is like how do you explain that at what point <laughs> yeah, he's dropping his trousers and like I've got a bit of explaining to do here so <laughs> don't be too freaked out if you just stick to the left hand one <laughs> so the funny thing is you said the first documented case with three penises as if two penises is quite the regular occurrence right <laughs> well, we had the woman the other week didn't we you had one for business and one for pleasure so like if this <laughs> kid grows up and she's not too old then I think you might have missed that news in a week, Jack. Yeah, it was quite literally a woman uh, born with two working vaginas, uh, uterus, ovaries, and all that business. And yeah, she was a prostitute. So she said she had one for business and one for pleasure. So she could hold down a relationship as well. So um, if she got an STI, did she get an STI in both? I guess she's hoping she doesn't have to get that far. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even then, most of them don't just stick. They do go around your body. Well, I was in the same science classes as you, but obviously <laughs> I was paying attention a bit more. Um, <laughs> ten foot in, from uh, from three penises to a ten foot snake pulled from toilet after biting man's bum. Oh. Can you imagine feeling that? Looking down and seeing those <laughs> ten people it might be like one of them uh, magician tricks where they start pulling the <laughs> ribbon out and it just keeps going. Was it Indiana Jones and is that why he's so scared of snakes? <laughs> uh, marine vet condemns marijuana, says he toked up in inverted commas in Kentucky and woke up in Kenya. So I don't know what on earth this <laughs> marine vet was smoking on. <laughs> it knocked him out for. I mean, if you are flying, what kind of flight are we talking from Kentucky to Kenya? <laughs> because apparently long old flight. They've been out of it for this long. Yeah, how uh, much did he have to be out of it that long? <laughs> oh, that's some serious business. Um, man returns from shopping to find fifteen thousand bees in his car. That was quick. I don't know, like, if someone counted planted them? them in there or... Who counted them? Who knew it was 15,000? Whenever I think of Jackass, that's actually the one I think of the most, of them playing, what's it called, like, Tetherball in America. Like, you see uh, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite playing. 
and they've just got to do it with a beehive and they get told before like if you get stung like a hundred of these then it will kill you <laughs> just in a pair of underwear <laughs> i can't think which one it is but one of them doesn't understand that the more frantic he is the more they're attacking him it's dave england isn't it and he's yeah. running around steve standing around like yeah how have you never been stung by 99 bees before <laughs> There is a new Jackass coming out, and I'm worried it's just going to be really depressing. The fact that they had to kick Johnny Knoxville off it because he couldn't pass a drugs test. Back in the day, they'd have encouraged him. Yeah. So it doesn't have Johnny Knoxville on? Not Johnny Knoxville, sorry. Yeah, Bam Margera. Bam Margera, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, his his Instagram is something to behold. It's just a man having a meltdown. Yeah, it has (laughs) been like that for a good four years now as well. Yeah. Mum upset after baby's Bluetooth nightlight allegedly picks up audio from neighbour's adult film. This is like the futuristic version of American Pie 2 with the walkie-talkies. Yeah. Um, Mafioso on the run is caught after showing off Italian cooking skills on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) I love these, well, the ones like that where it's someone's caught because it's like, their passion for whatever it is trumped their want to stay out of prison. <laughs> you can't keep me back. I need to share my meatball recipe. <laughs> uh, Florida man breaks Guinness World Record after watching Avengers Endgame 191 times in theatres. Jesus. With what we see goes on in Florida, that might be the safest place. Not around the time Batman came out, it wasn't safe going to the cinema. <laughs> no. But nowadays, you hear what's going on. He's this is my safe space. I remember uh, Brie Larson shared on Instagram, and she like tagged the bloke who um, he'd watched Wonder Woman, which of all the Marvel films to choose, I don't know if he had a thing for Brie Larson because he'd watched it like over a hundred times, and he had all his tickets and everything, and she uploaded him which i know she was trying to be nice saying like, oh what a super fan i think she took him down in the end <laughs> oh shit and the last headline uh venomous people could become a reality scientist say blimey so poisonous is if you eat someone and you digest it and it's poisonous and venom is where you actually bite something isn't it yeah and you this is if you're part as if they have like people are going to have to pass on their venom so um <laughs> Might be a good thing we do the movie pod remotely and to Sean, if a list of venomous people, he's definitely <laughs> going to be at the top of the list. <laughs> anyway. Is contagious debilitating de- cold? <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, I can't believe that was on TV, so I do have some uh, shows from the last couple of years from across the world. So this first one called Dadagiri um, was an Indian game show that translates to Beat the Bullies. Um, contestants are subjected to verbal and physical abuse from three bullies while answering questions this was, actually take, this was taken off the air when one of the contestants hit back which does seem fair game to hit an employed bully but there we go um, the loser whether it was the contestant or a bully had to eat maggots out of a dirty toilet oh. Yeah, they go, they go big time in uh, India, apparently. <laughs> Don't go to a game show if you're invited over there. Um, what, are the, what are the prizes for this? I want to know if that risk is going uh, to be... That actually wasn't specified, so I don't know if... Uh, it clearly wasn't worth it. It's one of them where 
people probably are just desperate for a bit of TV time and they think, well, if they're willing to do this. <laughs> um, a game show called The Fifth Wheel. So uh, the show would begin with two men, two women, all of whom were sent out on a joint date. Then a provocative fifth man or woman, hence the fifth wheel, would join the group, um, stir things up between them, say some awkward things, and then at the end they would see uh, who wanted to couple up with who or if they didn't want to couple up with anyone. So they basically just sent someone in to be awkward and expose the things that didn't want to be exposed about these people. See, I hear about this and I sit down and think, Jesus, did really someone sign off sign off on yeah. this? Well, there's people that sign up for that naked attraction show, so clearly right, exactly. people are willing to do just about anything. I remember, like, it must have been like year five when we all watched. I think it was playing it straight when there was like gay guys and straight guys, and had to like seduce this woman. <laughs> if she like partnered up with a gay guy, then she lost, and the gay guys were all in it, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, we did. We did before that whole game show where they got to, where they were like the bachelor kind of thing, and they got to the end and exposed that it was a trans woman that, that they'd yeah. all been necking the whole time, <laughs> and they wondered why the people didn't want it out on TV. <laughs> um, a show from the eighties called Interceptor, and this was actually in England. So, um, two contestants were given locked backpacks with £1,000 in and a gun with rubber bullets. The other person had the padlock to the other person's backpack. Essentially, you just had to take out the other person with your gun and then take the padlock to open up your own. So, um, a Hunger Games, but with rubber bullets, it sounds like. So that, that sounds great. I'd love to be able to go back in time and have all of these thoughts before health and safety. <laughs> yeah. What we're going to do is get this musket and like, you're just going to have to try and load it as quickly as you possibly can before someone hits you with a sword. Um, a show called Lizard Attack. Um, I may have spoken about this one there before. So a group of women all lie at a table with pork chops sellotaped to their heads, and whichever chop the lizard eats first wins a prize. This was in Japan, if, uh, if, you, if you weren't sure. There we go, okay. Yeah. If it sounds like it's Japanese, it probably is. Um a show called Drip. Um, I believe this was in Eastern Europe. Um, contestants must answer questions under pressure while a snotty girl sits over them atop a ladder, ready to drop down on the contestants that answer wrong. Oh! <laughs> oh, Christ. See, <laughs> to these parents, heard... their kid catches a cold and they're like, quid's in here. <laughs> See, what I heard there, when I heard Eastern European game show, like... So shiver went down my spine a little bit. <laughs> well, they do, they do that interceptor without the rubber bullets. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Russian roulette is their idea of, like, <laughs> a game show. We need new contestants. He is dead. <laughs> if, if they said, like, one time only there was going to be a game of Russian roulette on TV, you would tune in, wouldn't you? A hundred percent. Especially if you get a name on this. There's what people would... that would say they wouldn't when... You definitely what would. would the pot have to be for you to enter in? I don't, I don't. I, I consider my luck to be quite bad as it is, and that's just betting on like League Two football, <laughs> let alone having a loaded gun in my hand. <laughs> um, and finally, then, so one that was called Team Fight, and this is back to Japan now. So, um, 
This would see challenges in a game of dodgeball against the house squad. However, this isn't just any game of dodgeball. Have you ever considered playing it with gymnasts uh, who are equipped with vacuum cleaners, bowling balls, and more? <laughs> <laughs> In my head, I've got Keshi's Castle when they're on that. Yeah, well, this is this is maybe where they got their work experience in. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find any footage of this, but you can find details about the game show if you search it. So uh, that could be one for another day. Maybe... Uh, well, we can do some video podcasts. Bowling <laughs> these games going in someone's garden. I mean, being able to throw a bowling ball is impressive enough if you're getting some decent distance on it. So uh, that I is mean, death. If you throw <laughs> a bowling ball that someone's thrown, I feel like you you weren't quick enough, so you can't be too <laughs> upset. But anyway, we'll get onto the sport now uh, before things take too much of a downward turn. Um, the conversation all week has been about Sergio Aguero. I think right after we finished last week's podcast, it was confirmed that he wasn't going to be coming back to Man City. Uh, did prevent us doing another couple of topics on it during the course of the rest of the season when things get a bit dull. <laughs> but 257 goals and 384 appearances, um, widely regarded as one of the greatest players of the Premier League era, and is the competition's most lethal goal scorer statistically in terms of goals scored per minutes played. Uh, most of the Premier League hat-tricks, and he racked up four Premier Leagues, five League Cups, one FA Cup, one Premier League Golden Boot, and three Community Shields. The most surprising thing for me there is he only had one FA Cup. Yeah, I was thinking that. And it all uh, means nothing because he doesn't have a Champions League. Sad to be him. Don't we say that? <laughs> Rule out some, some of the better players we've been mentioning. No, I'm um, I mean, I saw someone put on Twitter the other day that oh, Sergio Aguero has to be the best Man City striker of all time. I was like, who else are you comparing him to? It's <laughs> so, like so having an is, only child and saying he's my favorite <laughs> This is the thing. There has been some revisionist history over the, across the past week, and I don't think any of us are going to be hipster here and claim that he's not a good player or anything like that. No. But like, like, like Joe there was a or debate. was better. There was, there was a debate going about whether he was the greatest Premier League striker of all time. And I, I can ask now, um, I think I know TK's opinion. Do you, do you think he's the best ever Premier League striker, Jack? No. No. Unless, because we'll, I feel we'll, that we'll you carry could... on from there, but I just wanted to chat that first. Yeah, no, I don't think he is. The end game here is for us to ask how we think he's going to be remembered as a Premier League player. So... We'll leave Champions League out of it. How we think he's going to be remembered here, whether you say he's the best, whether you say he's top three, top five, top ten, or even not at all. And then I may ask you top three or uh, top five just uh, before we finish here. So where do you think instinctively before we get into it, if someone was to stop you in the street and quick fire, I don't know who's doing this, Aguero. <laughs> the Japanese game show. Top three, top five, <laughs> top ten. You'd be electrocuted if you didn't answer. Yeah, see back if you get the right answer. <laughs> Instinctively, for me, I went top ten, and I think this week I've maybe been charmed to having him a bit higher, and I don't necessarily think that's wrong. But I'm in- interested to when the debate started, where you two would have kind of instinctively put him between five and eight for me. I think. There's enough people that were all-round better strikers. I feel that with Sergio Aguero, that 
he goes to another team and he doesn't score that many goals. City creates so much and they have always created, whilst he's been there, a lot of chances. Whether they win the league or not is down to usually their defence. Um, they always score loads of goals, no matter who's been the manager. And to have Pep Guardiola as the manager for the last, what, three, four years as well, where, again, you just score, create chances for fun. Um, whereas... I don't remember him taking a game by the scruff of the neck himself. It's, it, even when he scored hat tricks, they've all been set up for him. But he's been deadly when it does set up to him, um, fall, fall to him. I feel there's never been any mazy runs or like loads of consistent outside of the box creating shooting chances for himself. Whereas I look at Suarez, and although that what he was here for like two seasons, three seasons maybe, I remember him so many times being in a fairly average Liverpool team that would put teams to the sword because he'd go and score like four or five goals a game or whatever. Whereas I think Aguero may just be almost a casualty of his own success that he was he's so consistent when the chance falls to him and he nine times out of ten he puts it away. That's where he's got so many goals. But he lacks on creating stuff for himself and long ranges potentially. What what about you TK? Where instinctively do you go? On the on the street, I might have got a bit nervous and just gone top ten just to be conservative. I I think I'd probably have to go top five. Um, yeah. I think what Jack said is valid. Uh, I just think potentially just obviously the quality of the player, but also the longevity when we do these lists does come into it. Um, because for example, otherwise I think Suarez would be right up there. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. he doesn't have the years to sort of back it up. Whereas Aguero's yeah. been doing for what about ten years now. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you say about revisionist history this week, Luke, because I've always felt, I don't necessarily know if we say Aguero's been underrated, but maybe taken for granted. That, yeah. As Jack said, with his consistency, I think we just assume he'll get, you know, 25 goals plus each year and, and probably don't think how good he is. I, Whereas other players, we might, we might get more praise. But this, obviously this week has been, like you said, the total reverse, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, we've kind of been rushing to see if they can try and get him over Thierry Henry somehow, which is obviously... Yeah. Always the hipster argument. I think what hurts him at the moment is the fact that he's still here. Like we're seeing, mm, yeah, the downward end of his career feels harsh. But when when you're seeing him now, whether it's a debate as to whether him or Jesus is going to start, or whether you're seeing his injuries kind of catch up with him, when we remember these other players, and it's often the case when you do kind of the goat lists, is we're remembering Omri, Shearer, Rooney. We're remembering their highlight reels rather than them week in week out, where we're seeing. Aguero week in week out at the moment so it's hard to remember a prime Aguero when we're seeing what we're seeing in front of us at the moment and he's kind of a debate about whether he's in the team or not so I do think down the line the how old is Aguero at the moment? 33 uh, is it? Yeah, so, that sounds like, well, right. at this age Henri was at New York Red Bulls Drogba was at Galatasaray yeah. um, before he came back to Chelsea Torres he would have been moved back to Atletico as well. So he's, Owen he's was not... out to stud. Huh? Owen had been put out to stud by this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess you're right that you'd still consider him a danger right now if you're playing against him. Yeah, still, there's few people if in the league eight. you would want the ball to fall to ahead of him if it's like he's got to score this to save your life. Yeah. He's one of the ones you, you're putting forward. Yeah. And, and let's face it, we often talk about when we do like lists like this about moments. He's got the best moment. In Absolutely. The that's, I don't think that's even in question. 
Well, if someone says otherwise, then they're a United fan, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I thought Omri is the top. Suarez, I think, is, is the weird one because when someone gives an explanation, say they even have him like top three, which I don't, it's hard to argue when you've got such a small kind of bracket to go by, but obviously was elite in that time. One of the best Premier League seasons we've ever seen. I go Thierry and then Shearer and Rooney probably make up my top three. And I've got Aguero probably in fourth. Yeah, see, I was basically, I, I think I'm really obviously comfortably at the top. I think Shearer probably is coming in next. And then potentially, I think I was having Aguero in third. I mean, I'm in a tricky one with him and him and Rooney in that I don't know if this is a, a stupid argument to make where if you ask me for the best player in the Premier League, yeah, I might no, have yeah, higher yeah. up than Aguero, but the best striker, I might have Aguero higher than Rooney. It's a, an odd sort of, a, it's an odd case, isn't it? I, I think Aguero might be in third. That, that goals to game ratio that he's got is pretty phenomenal. I'm pretty sure yeah. him, Omri, and Harry Kane actually are kind of out on a yeah. limb on their own, aren't they? I think so. I think obviously a lot of people are making the case for Kane this week as well. I think he's got a little bit more work to do, but not a lot to be fair to him. Yeah, but I, I think I potentially might have Aguero in third, which seems higher than I probably would have had it in my mind instinctively. But when I look at the other ones, I think. I struggle to make a case as good as Aguero's cases. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm caught in a, in a similar place that because everything has been laid, I guess it's down to the way City play and where they have played for a while, where all his chances seem to fall in at least the penalty box, if not just outside, like between the penalty spot and the goal in, the, in that 12 yards. But he will always, always, always put it away. There's, there's not many, there's not many on his blooper reel per se. No, um, I don't think you can hold that against him as much no, because I, I that's can't. what he's like. But, you wouldn't hold it against like Van Nistelrooy. No, not you wouldn't at all. hold it against is, um, like Vardy. It's not that I'm trying to hold it against him, but I look at Wayne Rooney. And he was a threat anywhere inside the opposition half. If that's making it for a teammate, if that's shooting from 40 yards and going top bins, if that's dribbling around a few players, laying it off and just popping back up in the box. Whereas Aguero, I've always felt when we've played against City that if you can let him have the ball outside the penalty area that's the way you want him to have it whereas with other big name strikers like Henri Rooney you're petrified when they just like I remember mm. the fear factor I've spoken about it before with Torres when he played for Liverpool anywhere in the yeah. 30 yards to goal and I was just shitting my pants every time he <laughs> the ball whereas Aguero I don't have that I, know I reckon if we saw his highlight reel, I think there'd be more outside the box than we perhaps realised. Mm, yeah, it's probably true. I'm gonna have to see if there's anything or not to. Well, I mean, I'm not saying the majority. The majority obviously are in the box, but I think he's probably got more worlders than we're giving him credit for here. Yeah, that's it's true. But we said before, haven't we? Sometimes when you do these lists, you kind of you kind of zoom in on sort of like minute things that. But when you make the argument, it sounds like, so say, for example, you did a, a Gerard and Lampard and you'd make out like Lampard couldn't tackle to save anyone. This way, obviously, that's not strictly true, yeah. but he's not maybe not the all-rounder that Gerard is, but better score goals. So. But even 
always sounds more extreme than it probably we intended to. So even an example was like Kobe's list on the all-time ranking. I'm not going to say after he died, but while he was still playing, it was lower. And the second he retired, and you remember his career as a whole rather than the guy you were seeing put up like whether it's 40 points a night on a terrible team, it went up straight away because Mm. he retired and you weren't seeing him day in day out not winning anymore or not doing kind of the things you remember it for so just to give you a bit of background he's got 19 goals from outside the box and 182 from inside <laughs> that's pretty big so i mean there is quite a gap there mm. um i think in my mind that just counts against him because i feel that you can manage aguero better than you could manage an Omri, a Rooney, a player like that. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying he's definitely up there. And he's obviously that goals return does speak for itself. But I think I'm having players in front of him. Um, I think you would probably be top five. I'll have to revise my five to seven initial kind of thought. But I would rather have prime Rooney, prime Omri, maybe not Drogba because his goals return was like not the highest but again this is part of the thing though isn't it so for example if you say to me you know who's the who's the best striker who would you take I would definitely take Drogba over him for example yeah I think I would take Drogba over Aguero but if you're saying who's had a a better Premier League career I think Aguero has to win that so it's it's an odd yeah it's an I odd think, thing where you'd say that. I, you know, I, I, for example, I would take Suarez over Aguero, for example. But mm. I, I would struggle to make the argument that you know I give Suarez the nod over him over mm. a Premier League career. Who who do you reckon has? Uh, I don't know if Jack's got this in front of him. Top five most goals outside the box in uh, Premier League history. Have a look. No, don't look. I'm asking you to guess. Oh. Um... Who do you reckon's number one? Outside the box. I reckon it's Frank Lampard. Correct. Yeah. Number two is the one that surprised me. Number two? Is it going to be Shearer? I was going to say Shearer just because it's the only goals he's got. They're English. Kane? Nope. The fact that you said it surprised me because I was going to say Rooney for number one. No. Ah, fair enough. David Beckham, second most goals outside the box. Oh, 34. Lampard at 41. Doesn't sound a lot, does it? Strange. No, and then you've got Shearer, Gerrard, Jimmy Floyd, all on 33. God, Jimmy Floyd. Jimmy yeah. Floyd, that's about what? Yeah, the cannon for a leg. <laughs> yeah. On round 29. It was before the balls were like spongy on the outside as well. So when it hit, it just stayed hit. And no only, one's getting in the way of it. Only 27 for Rooney, by the way. Mm, surprising. Yeah. 29 for Omri, 28 for Letizia, 27 for Rooney, 22 for Fowler with Skulls and Defoe. We're going to cancel Letizia as a cancel coach. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, you got Diggs on 21. Shock. So, yeah, the Beckham one surprised me, that's all. Mm, yeah, that is surprising, actually. Outside of uh, Giggs, Ronaldo, etc. The next one up is Patrick Berger. My guy. 18. 
There we go. Um, so we're saying top five, basically. Um, that's how we think he'll be remembered. I think the 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 leap to top two is too much. So I think if you've got him outside the top five, you're probably being a bit hipster. And if you've got him one or two, then you probably are as well. So in and amongst the three, four, five is probably where we're saying most people will remember him. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one to balance. I think the, the point Jack makes about the sheer amount of chances that City create is a valid argument for sort of limiting how high you can rate him. But it's mm-hmm. one I've always tried to push back on against like people. You know, people at like your local level will be like, well, look, stick me in that City team and I'll score a goal or two. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite work like that. You know, he's, he does have to fit into this system and his movement and all those sort of things. So The, the worst thing in this time has been there. Uh... Pep again looking for a bit of sympathy. Going, you know, I mean, the financial situation the way yeah. it is, we, we may not be able to replace him, we may not be able to buy someone. <laughs> come on, whether it's like they were meeting with Harlan this week as well. <laughs> like yeah. we all whether they're, they'll be chucking money at someone, whether it's Harland and Mbappe or someone or Kane or someone else. Um, it would have been nice to have Alex here actually because one. I'd be interested to see where he'd have Kane. I almost feel like I wouldn't want to know. Um, Sean says he has Kane over Aguero, which is worrying. Um, and then... Uh, what time the path I was going there? I was too thrown off by Sean having there. <laughs> I was surprised that. Uh, it was unexpectedly bold, that was. But I don't think Kane has to do an awful lot to beat him, but we're projecting a bit with Kane still, I think. Oh, there I was going to say. Well, I was going to say, um, be interested to hear Alex's thoughts on uh, Kane's comments in uh, the last week or so, because that does not look like a man that's happy to be staying put. You've got to understand, Luke, they're not going to sell. Levy doesn't sell, <laughs> haven't you heard? Giving it the... Uh, I do my head in that Giving it the... Uh, we'll see at the end of the season. Yeah, that's, that's always worrying when someone says that. What you got there was a man before uh, the World Cup that didn't back himself, didn't back himself to get that golden boot, signed the contract that was in front of him. I did see right you going in on that. Yeah. Saw it being referred to as a death row contract, same as what uh, yeah, Felix is in. Ooh. Yeah, but why Kane signed a six-year, I, I will never quite yeah. know. Hamez has got his uh, first goal since the change. if we go on to uh, the Champions League which comes back tomorrow night uh, I assume most of us will be watching Premier League darts instead but still worth giving it a preview Um, City vs Dortmund first game to start with I'm not sure there's any team I would pick over City at the moment? No, sadly. I'm really glad that that kind of side of the Champions League has really jammed itself up with quite difficult teams because I'm talking as if Liverpool and Real Madrid are easy, but... Um, you're also you, talking like you're getting past Porto. Yeah, I know. You, you kind of get um, that side there and you think... When that draw came out, you could, in your, in your mind, you're thinking, we're only going to have to face one of them. Like, if we do get we'll, that far. We'll get to that. We'll do City, we'll do City Dortmund. Yeah, first. yeah, City Dortmund, it's I think. Sancho City... out. 
I think this game is basically just a chance for Haaland to increase his stock, but that's just about the only consolation for him, I think. Yeah, I think... The way Dortmund I, concede goals, the way City score goals, and essentially they, they've beaten themselves in the last couple of Champions League runs, so mm. they'd have to go some way to do it against Dortmund, I think. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be more shocking than last year's, though. No, but uh, oh, well, I was playing for that Arsenal move, wasn't he? He got to understand <laughs> that I was inspired. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just, we do, and I've done it as well, but we do have this sort of assumption that this hoodoo that City have with the Champions League this year is just going to magically disappear. I I think is the ways they've beaten themselves previously, they'd have to go some way to do that this time around. And I'm not sure the hoodoo will come in and seal the semi-final, which is when I think it will kick in if it's going to kick in. Yeah, because I look at it and I think Bayern aren't the Bayern of last year. I mean, they're still brilliant, but they're conceding a lot more goals than they did last season. PSG at PSG, they're just, they're not even topping their league. We'll get on to these fixtures. I know, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying that we're talking about the hoodoo, that if the hoodoo's going to be banished, it's going to be this year, I'm sure. Yeah, this is a hell of an opportunity for them, for sure. I think Dortmund are enough of a name that City won't take it lightly, like perhaps they did with Leon. But I also think they're not good enough that they'll cause too many problems. Like They're, they're not a team. Like I'd give them more of a chance of an upset if they were playing Porto, a team that we've seen in this competition mm. can be resolute, can be compact. I, I can't yeah. see Dortmund doing that over two legs. Like I don't think they'll even attempt it. And announcing the manager change seems to have killed both Bunch and Gladbach and Dortmund. So, yeah, I was I was about to say as well. If you, when you see the games where they like drop points in the Bundesliga this year as well, they they do down tools quite easily when when the going gets tough. Yeah. And with 180 minutes against City, it's going to be tough for the most of that. I don't yeah, understand why. I can't Jerry imagine who'd have backed. Um, I can't imagine who'd have backed Dortmund at the weekend. <laughs> mental to do that. <laughs> yeah, that, what I don't understand is why German's teams do this to themselves. They announce yeah. in like January managerial and player changes, so it all becomes just really dull. It's kind yeah, of like it's too organised and efficient, aren't they? They can't not. It's, they can't it's just to be organised and ready. It's mad, isn't it? Because it'll be really tight between like at the top of the table. They'll announce these changes, and then in March, you'll just be right. How many points are? Bayern going to win it by this time. Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon Chelsea should have seen it as a red flag when uh, Werner was prepared to not carry on in the Champions League? I, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming from being <laughs> The way he started as well, he was like on fire. And then now I'm he's... Missing, I'm missing the, the week. Honestly. I know. It's, it's, it's getting to the point where I can't even defend him now. Do you do you think this this game's over by the second leg, or do you think City at least have to keep their head in for 180 minutes? They're at home first leg, by the way. That's sounding cliche. I think if they get if Dortmund get a goal, then they're going to have to constantly pad their heads fully in this for 180. Because I know they're City and they do create chances, but if they if it's one one or even one 0 Dortmund, I'm not saying it will be, but if Dortmund taking away goal back to um, back to theirs and it's like anything can happen the hoodoo sets in even more so 
And then knowing that they've got Haaland, they're, they're going to have to come out and try and score. Knowing that they've got Haaland there that will pounce on anything. I think, yeah. I've, I've not looked at Dortmund the same since they bent over for Klopp. Never seen anything like it. Yeah. In the Europa as well. Bent over for guts. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they made love for Inter into Cannavaro. Those European nights. <laughs> if that if was like that was like five years ago this year, wasn't it? Um, five years ago this week and, uh, almost. Because I remember watching it on a plane going to Florida. If if we do Madrid Liverpool and in this instance, if we go to the Liverpool fan last, um, <laughs> I think I think you've got to take Madrid here. The Salah killer is out, which is a shame. The Salah killer. <laughs> Carvajal out, Valverde out. Hazard questionable, would you believe it? Um, he's the Spanish, he's the uh, pig in Spain. Um, it really is. A little stat for you. Five of the last quarterfinal matches, the last five quarterfinal matches between Spanish and English teams, I've seen the first scorer end with a clean sheet. So, uh, if Real Madrid score early, back the clean sheet. I think you can get a Madrid watching them the times I have this season and in the Champions mm-hmm. League especially. So, I think it would be a mistake for Liverpool to play too conservatively because I think that plays into both Madrid's hands offensively and defensively. So, it would be interesting to see the way Liverpool attack it. They got kind of caused problems by Atlanta, didn't they? And Liverpool breezed past Atlanta. You think that they, they did beat them 4-1 on aggregate. So they had a tough 60 minutes in the first leg. But even then... After the sending off, that's kind of what happened, wasn't it? It was just... They weren't taking their chances. I think even in the to... first leg, when it was close, it, it didn't look like they were going to go behind or anything. They just looked like they weren't going to score a couple. Yeah. But you say that, but that gets punished against good European teams. Like that ability to not score becomes a lot more stark when you're playing against a team that could score a few themselves. But also, I know it's easy to say after what we did this weekend, Kabak and uh, Matt Williams is a partnership. Not Phillips, sorry. Yeah. Benzema is like the, the last season or two has been like the form of his life. Hmm. And if he he's much more equipped to bully them than uh, than we were. Yeah. So. I don't fancy Liverpool's chances, but it, it might be the break they needed like they had against Leipzig, where being in Europe might just be the difference maker. TK, how confident are you? I wouldn't say confident. For the for the reasons stated with Kavak and Phillips, I do think is ultimately a partnership. As much as they've done okay in the last game or two, is not a Champions League partnership. And the problem with Madrid is it, it really doesn't matter what else is going on with them. When they get to the quarterfinals or so, the Champions League, it's dangerous backing against them, isn't it? It's kind of like Brady yeah. in the uh, playoffs. Um, I do think having no Ramos is an interesting one. That experience of winning that he brings, obviously it would have been another story as well with that. I do think that adds, um, adds to my confidence a little bit. But uh, I do think it's going to be a case of if, if we are going to do it, it might be we have to outscore him. I don't think we're going to keep Benzema out for uh, over two legs. That, that's a storyline in itself as well, him being out, because you think 
that he's out of contract. They're apparently not offering him a new deal at the moment because I think they think uh, Alaba's going to step in and be their new Ramos, which I think is rash on their part. Incredibly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there because they may think they can they can compete without him and if things don't go well, he he may just get the contract that he's asking for. So. Yeah, I, to be honest, I had perceived it as sort of two parties at loggerheads who will come together eventually, but just both just sort of flexing their muscles a little bit. But well, he, one he of those ones where the longer, the longer it drags on, it does make you wonder. He keeps doing interviews like, it's not me you need to ask. Like, they're not offering me anything. Yeah, we've seen things like this with him before with them, though. It's kind of been a staple of later years of Ramos at Madrid has been supposedly that they're at loggerheads or whatever. So I think often it is just power plays, but... So you're not buying into the rumours that he's going to come and partner Van Dijk then? It would be quite funny watching people who would, you know, probably call for his head to suddenly just go, I love this guy. I've seen Liverpool fans saying they wouldn't take him. Yeah, there is there is also that. <laughs> the problem is as well, is whoever does take him on probably ends up, he probably gets old overnight and you end up having a shot to pieces from us instead. Like, you know, when he got linked with United, you thought, you know full well, it'll be turning like milk when he gets there. It'll just be horrible. Think, you won't get away with it in Madrid. You won't be able to uh, prime club. I think with him, and I know they're at different stages of their career, but I trust his longevity more than, say, like his partner in Varane, who yeah, yeah, the sure. speed backs up a lot, whereas I, I, I do trust Ramos to evolve with how he gets older. I think he has settled like as well, so... He's still yeah, pretty I, swift, I though, isn't he? Like, <laughs> he would probably shit out. Was probably more <laughs> um, so, yeah, to summarise, Madrid probably just... I do think it will keep it close. I mean, it's definitely the game to watch tomorrow, isn't it? Anyone who's sitting and watching City Dortmund, if they're not a City fan, I've got and questions I, to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an intriguing one, isn't it, with Liverpool and Madrid? It's because the yeah. fact that neither of them are exactly lighting it up this year is kind of adds to the intrigue in a way. I've not seen too many promos, which is probably a good thing because any Liverpool game I've seen spoken up, I mean, we said on Saturday when they kept playing the 4-4, it was like, this isn't what you're going to be getting here. <laughs> yeah, this is not you being dished up, lads. The whole preview earlier of the uh, 6 o'clock game on Sky was Neville trashing Arsenal still, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was him saying, uh, he was like, I think he said, he can name under five times he's come to do Monday Night Football with the rage from the weekend still bubbling over in him. I think he said, he said uh, there was a couple of times with QPR, he was like, I tell you now, I really didn't like them as a team. I was like, Fair enough. <laughs> he was like, I think there was a time with Sunderland. He said there was a couple of times with Chelsea where I felt it's been quite evident that the players have said, we don't fancy this manager anymore, which I'm not sure Jack's going to argue with in previous times that we've seen. Nope. And he said... And he said there's been several times with Arsenal, but none more than this. He said, I looked at some members of that front line and it was like a mafia in the front of there, is what he described it as. He said there was a mafia clique in the front that had decided they weren't going to be doing their running. And he said, I saw the glazed eyes of the manager and he, he learnt a few things on Saturday night. Blimey. <laughs> I'm not sure he's learnt too much. I mean... Uh, <laughs> I thought it was harsh that he was grouping Erdegaard in with them, who was clearly trying to put a shift in, but 
it's quite no easy, it's quite difficult to find an out ball when <laughs> there is no out ball there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I fully agree with him with the with the others. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But oh, I thought that was worth mentioning. When, uh, mentioning Porto against Chelsea. Um, the best news I think you'll see, Jack. Um, not that Pulisic is injured. Um, Pepe is questionable here. And you look at the way he got them through the game against Juventus, that's probably the biggest thing you could hope for more than your own team news. Yeah, I think so. I think Kansas being fit makes a massive difference as well, um, especially in the Champions League. I think he's been marked as questionable on flash scores, but I've not seen if there's been a presser today or anything. Mm. I'm not 100% sure if he's in or not. I do fancy Pepe to lose his head a little bit, though, which... Always, if you can get at him and he brings you down in the first leg, he's on a yellow card. He's going to be a bit wary and not go in for the challenges he usually does. But even so, it's kind of clutching at straws. Do you think there's people in your front line that kind of have that to them? Like I know we saw uh, Rudiger and I know there's been some stories about him in the last couple of days, but mm. he was winding up uh, the Atletico players. But in terms of the front line, it's not like you've got Costa there anymore. Like, I, I'd imagine. No, but I'd, I'd the say it's like thing a... to do with with Pepe is almost the complete opposite and not react to what he's doing and not give him the chance to get fired up. Well, that's the kind of thing I was thinking, our pace, especially with Werner, turning in maybe, um, getting to bring you down, that kind of thing, that kind of the rush. smell of Werner will wind him up. smell of it. I reckon he starts Giroud. I would, personally. I think we I need... Don't go- know what Giroud, I don't know what Giroud has to do. Giroud must be watching Werner, saying, come on, boys. <laughs> got a peg on me nose here. Yeah, but... I think the problem we've got with Giroud is that he's great when the ball drops to him, but everything else before, he'd want someone else there. It's really weird that with your wingers though, you'd think he's the perfect guy. Like if you would have wide forwards, then you would. We like to play quite mobile through the centre as well, and as your favourite formations, we like to play with them as more inside forwards than than wingers. Um, So they're just as much strikers as anyone else. So. It's really weird. Like, before Saturday, if you'd said, I'd say, look, I'm pretty confident that we could breeze through this. But after seeing that display and seeing what happened, I honestly have no idea. I'm more confident you'll win after seeing Saturday. I think we... Teams teams like that with managers um, like Tuchel, everyone's happy you lose apart from the team that's playing them next. I used to think it was City where you you see they've lost and then you look at the fixture list and you've got them next. Same with Liverpool. Mm. it's horrible and so there is by the sounds of it he's put a rocket into him Um, I mean he sent Rudiger home from training because uh, he he was that sick of him and uh, him bullying uh, poor Kepa (laughs) yeah I read about this obviously I think Rudiger went in late on Kepa and there was a bit of bit of handbags and he got sent home for the last it was for the last five minutes of training because he said he wasn't calm enough to carry on so <laughs> I think it wasn't like he got sent home right at the beginning it was just sent in early essentially um, but you're going to get him I mean we just come off the bad of one of the worst losses we've had in ages I can't remember the last time they probably City when they beat at 6-0 with Sarri in charge um, I mean I want I want to see that if I'm honest I want to see that have you started drinking before the West Brom game, or was that it was, what prompted no, it was the after, drinking? So I, I was sat there, and it was their third goal. 
that I videoed and sent around. I was like, we are, it's not even like, we're playing pretty badly, yeah, but West Brom all of a sudden turned into 1970s Brazil. <laughs> like, there was one breaking move where it was from a corner and they play one inch perfect ball around the back of our defence that curves into their winger. The winger then gets into the box and back heels it without looking to a player who then lays it off with the player not even being in the picture. And he just runs in and slots it bottom corner as if they've been doing this all season. I've never seen anything like it. The Athletic, in, in the way that only they cover things, have given you a full rundown of everything that's happened after the game. And they say that Tuchel told him all to be in complete silence after the game, told him not to say a word about it until uh, Sunday when he was going to go over it with them. He says he had a lengthy debrief where he wouldn't allow any of the players to offer uh, their own thoughts on it and just let him go through it. And it says, highlighted footage showing the mistakes from Kurt Zuma and Jorginho were particularly highlighted on occasions. (laughs) Um, So it sounds like he has been a bit of a savage there. Um, And then essentially just uh, making sure they weren't fighting between them. It says... uh, there was a collision when going for the same ball that sparked a physical confrontation with a lot of pushing and shoving. Rudiger showed Kepper who's boss, a source told The Athletic. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. He got accused of bullying right as Tuchel came in, didn't he? Because I remember someone tweeted out um, one of the Chelsea players saying that it was ridiculous. Yeah, I think it was um, Tammy Abraham, wasn't it? That tweeted yeah, that. yeah. Um, it does seem the type. I mean, there was a reason why Frank kind of lay, let, let him rot on the bench for almost half a season. Which but, says, there might be some people putting Rüdiger's actions under negative scrutiny once again. There were reports which Rüdiger denied that he played a role in former manager Frank Lampard getting sacked <laughs> and had fallen out with Cesar Azpilicueta. Um, and it says about the, the best form he's had. But it basically says, like, Tuchel's given him Another chance. If this happens again, you won't be getting a second chance kind yeah. of thing. I, I think that this is going to go down quite lightly with the Chelsea fans because it's with Kepa. If it was with anyone else, you'd probably be yeah. hearing more about it. But the fact that it's Kepa, I think we care a lot less. <laughs> it's happened a couple of times with Kepa though, hasn't it? It must be some of these Spanish players in the league because um, it's happened with Ceballos a couple of times. It happened with Enketia. And it happened where he yeah. got he got punched in the nose by David Luiz. And it's like, David Luiz seems the nicest bloke in the world. I can't <laughs> imagine anything you could do to get him to be that angry. Yeah, Sabayos apparently managed it in training. <laughs> they then tried denying it while he had a cut on his nose for the next game. So, um, <laughs> some of these players coming to their league need, need to learn their place, it seems. Don't mess with these Chelsea defenders. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think... going back going back to the actual fixture, I think I don't know what to expect. Like we, we it's either going to go awfully or it's going to go pretty well. It's not going to be like I don't think it's going to be a draw. I think we'll either, either lose or we'll come out clear winners. Unless I'm blanking one out of my head, as as much as you've won games convincingly, you, you haven't really smashed teams, have you? Like no, that's been games like, where you've looked at it like they're not getting back into this, but you're also not putting five, six goals past them. No, exactly, you're hundred percent right, and it's been a bit of a worry that we just cannot score goals. And there's been times where we've had like seventy five percent possession in one one nil, and everyone's waxing lyrical. If you remember Tuchel's first game in charge against Wolves, 
He's getting oh, laughed. I'd rather not remember that. <laughs> you add one goal into that, and that's exactly how we've been playing for the last 10 games. And it looks really good if you've had that one goal in the first half to kind of cushion the game, like against Atletico, where they have to go for it at the end, get a player sent off, and then we score a second, and it looks like a really comfortable 3-0 aggregate win, when in fact, one goal in that game would have turned it completely on its head. It'd be, it's the same against Porto. We don't put a lot of goals past teams. We just like to control the whole game. And all it takes is a couple of lapses in concentration where you saw Jorginho do it twice in the space of two minutes at the end of the first half against West Brom, that if that happens, you're fucked. And playing the way that we play as well, if it's more than a one-goal margin... I don't back us to get back into it. I, um, I said to TK on Saturday, um, when we were linked with Jorginho over party, he I could absolutely see him in an Arsenal shirt, Jorginho, and it would have been horrifying him and Xhaka in the same midfield. So I thank <laughs> oh the Lord every day. <laughs> that didn't happen. The slowest midfield in history. Statistically, statistically the best midfielder in the world currently by up to stats. I don't know if you saw that. Who? Xhaka? Jorginho. I thought Xhaka was in like the top 10 performing players in the league this season. Mm. I mean, he's had a better season than usual, but this is why we always say trust the eye test. Yeah, 100%. I think he's had a really good season so far. He's played a lot of people wrong, but then he proved a lot of people right in that game. I think he just had a bad game. I'm not going to jump on his back because of it, because he's played more better games, uh, more good games this season he has bad but that was so bad and in <laughs> so, so many mistakes in such a short space of time does leave you open to attacks um just uh before we move on to the the last game i don't know if um you read anything into it so we, we've read obviously here that tuchel's given them the hairdryer and it, it works quite well in the next topic we have about whether we get too much info but we were saying beforehand before he'd even had any games that the main thing, the main criticism that we'd had attached to his name at PSG was that he was perhaps kind of overawed by the players sometimes and the relationships weren't quite there. So maybe what we're seeing here is him very quickly setting the marker and saying, I'm the manager. Don't anyone be thinking they're bigger than me here? Because we've seen it with varying different uh, results with Arteta trying the same thing. And it may be that Tuchel is just putting his foot down and saying... I'm not letting anyone get too big for their boots and you'll be out of there if you don't uh, stand by what I say. Yeah, I think like you look at this Chelsea squad and there aren't many league title winners in it. There's not many title winners in it full stop if you go from the start 11 upwards apart from Aspilicueta, Rudiger's got a couple, he's got the Europa League and then apart from that, there aren't many people there. I know Kurt Zuma's got a few Premier League medals but he didn't play that much that season but is not managing a team where they think they can genuinely sit there and think, right, I know better than he does. We've got like strikers that can't score goals at the moment and we're the kind of just bereft of goals in that team. Yeah. Well, we've always said that a strong base, as soon as that they make the attackers click, then things will start improving and that's what you want. But after seeing a result like that, which is scary against a team that have scored three goals under Sam Allardyce in 10 games, <laughs> to score five against the best statistically, a defence that hasn't been scored against yeah. in 12 hours, which when you look at it, it's actually quite bad because 
it goes to show that if a team gets one or two against you, our heads go to shit, and that's quite crap. But to go back to Tuckle giving him the hairdryer, I think he can manage this team a lot differently than he can manage yeah, yeah, Neymar sure. and Mbappe, which is obvious. But I think maybe it's maybe him learning from his mistakes as well. Like we forget because we've just had such a young coach in Frank that Tuckle's quite a young coach as well, um, and he'll be learning from his mistakes just as anyone yeah. else. Probably. If um, you went on the FIFA club transfers today and you, you moved Louise back to Chelsea, do you think Tuchel starts him? No. You don't? No. I, I'm near certain I, he'd start him. No, I don't. I think His ball playing up from the back and the way you set up to be defensively solid, he's just about perfect. I don't think so. He's a better defender than Rudiger is. And he can Dep- do more than Rudiger. Defensively, they've been sound them, haven't they? It was only this weekend. This, this, this is the but thing. That's what, I'm I, I, that's what I'm saying. He's just as good defensively, and he offers more coming out from the back. I think uh, the way that Rudiger maybe uh, we, we're a David Luiz howler away from uh, remembering what he is. I think. Yeah, really you could say the same with Rudiger though. Rudiger has got just as many howlers if you did a game uh, ratio. Yeah, I, I just think, think there's potentially more upside. Yeah. I, I agree. I think after watching David Luiz, and don't forget, I've watched him quite a lot over the last <laughs> 10 years, that I know that for as good as his ball playing is, that's not how we play. We don't play long balls out from the back. We look at the, the defenders being comfortable on the ball enough to break the press and get it to Jorginho or Kovacic, who then they deal with the ball. So these long balls up front, I don't think it would fly under Tuchel. We, what we feed the two midfielders and then let everyone else do the work essentially so I don't think that I think I think that comes out of it I think as well like look if we take this weekend's game which I've looked at it and I thought look all of our players pretty much the whole starting 11 has been away with their national teams for the last two weeks West Brom has been the complete opposite they've all been at home all training all planning for this game he's not trying this is he he's not actually (laughs) um I'm just saying that <laughs> they, are, the they are going to be more prepared for this game than we were going to be. Uh, and that, that doesn't excuse a 5-2 loss at home to them by absolutely no stretch. But if you gave us both the same prep time, I think the result's completely different. But that is <laughs> that is obviously a lot of what if we're West Brom are just Thiago's kryptonite. Yeah. I don't know why he started him, but he should have known. <laughs> probably thought, oh, they've scored like three goals in the last 15 games. We'd probably give him a start. I wouldn't read too much into it, only in the, as you said, with the West Brom goals, they were, sort of, some of them were in terms of the build-up and the finishes. <laughs> that they won't replicate again, but not many other teams will either. So I wouldn't. No, it, it, it's like, it's a little bit like 100% right. I'd just sit there. But we weren't. I was sat there and I was sat there looking at this game like, I can't even get annoyed. Like, these goals are unbelievable. <laughs> it was just after they scored that um, the two goals in injury time in the first half. I think, was it Phillips? Cold one yeah, from just yeah. the edge of the box. And he hit the bar and I was like, that should have gone in. We should yeah. be 3-1 down here. Yeah. Lu- Louise is out for the season, it looks like is now. So uh, we've got Europa League Thursday and we play Sheffield United at the late game on Sunday. So... Could be a rough podcast for me next week. <laughs> you know my thoughts on Rob Holding. No matter how many people, how good people try telling me is, I'm not seeing it. No. Um, no. Last game then, and then we just got a bit on Haaland. So Bayern PSG, um, bit of the shine being taken off this by the fact that Lewandowski's out of the game, Verratti's out for PSG as well. 
Um, so it's lost, lost a bit of its shine, but I dare say most of us will still be watching that over Porto Chelsea for obvious reasons. Yeah, let's face it, we would have probably had Bayern's favourites going in. So no Lewandowski hopefully can be a bit of a leveller. I imagine you'd have more people picking PSG now than than you would have. Yeah, it's Mbappe's chance to set levels here. Yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of got to carry it on, hasn't he? Um, I ironically having Poch there is, is maybe a question. I, I, and I like I like Pochettino, but the fact they're floundering a little bit in the league. Yeah, and at some point, I remember. You said, uh, I think you highlight, I think it was Brad Dobbin tweeted about, you know, if you went to Barcelona, they're going to say, well, get your medals on the table. Yeah. And and you're going to have the same thing with PSG, aren't we? If we get into the later stages of the Champions League and say, well, you haven't won this before, so how are you going to take us to the next level? He'll pull out his runners-up medal, come on. <laughs> Lucas Moura will show up with his hat-trick ball against Ajax. Um, but I would, I would say, look, you know, I've got Spurs to the final. That is, that is a good achievement, yeah. but it's, it's not going to wash with the PSG lads. I don't think you might, I might accept it, but I don't think they will. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be an interesting one. Um, I mean, I'm praying in advance we don't have uh, McManaman on commentary because him when Neymar plays is just oh. the worst. It's like someone that's never seen him before. It's hideous. And it's, he if he doesn't beat the first man, then it's people keep telling me how good this fella is. Joey Barton tried that and then didn't, didn't work out well for him either. English commentary with Neymar is generally pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah. Everyone seems to have an inability to... Well, why hasn't he just sprinted back 80 yards and made a two-footed tackle? Well, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you haven't seen him before. He doesn't tend to do that. It's not really his game. No. Um, probably the most interesting tie aside Liverpool-Madrid. Uh, so it's worked out quite well with them being on separate days. Um mm. As you said, TK, you, you trust Bayern more than you trust PSG. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. PSG might feel that with uh, Lewandowski out, they might fancy themselves for a shootout. And we, we may get one of them. Yeah, and, and this is, I felt that's kind of what they should have tried to drag them in in the final last year. And they never really were able to, were they? No. Um, yeah, there's something within this game that is making me think that they're going to do it. I'm going to kind of send common sense out the window and I'm going to say it becomes a shootout and, and they they come through, I reckon. If uh, if they don't progress without Lewandowski here, we, we may have an extra entrant in uh, the Haaland stakes. So that would be better for us if Bayern, if Bayern do go through. The uh, the Ashley Goff-sponsored Haaland stakes give them their full yeah, title. Exactly. Um but if you had to put your money on, you'd, you'd put it on uh, Bayern, would you? That'd be the safe mate. I'm going to go with PSG. Just a feeling. Just a feeling that Mbappe... I must hope, I hope PSG win. Um, as, as you said, you can, you trust Bayern with your life more. Mm. Um, just finally then, we mentioned Haaland. And in something that I don't think we've ever really seen before, um, Fabrizio Romano, for them that have the notifications on, uh, he tweeted uh, in the week, Nuno Raiola is meeting with Real Madrid after Barcelona and the plan for Haaland is so clear. Talk with the top five clubs interested, their projects, proposals, and then decide for the future. It'll be a long race. Dortmund's position is they won't accept less than 150 million euros to sell him this summer. Uh, 
Michael Zork has actually come out since. He came out today, uh, as he did during the entire Sancho saga. And he's basically said, look, the stance with uh, Sancho and the stance with Haaland is pretty clear. Uh, we want to keep them. If if clubs want to uh, have him, they know our price. Meet it and we'll talk. So they don't seem too disrespected, which is surprising by the fact that... <laughs> Oh, I've, I've never heard of that before. Publicised meetings between agents and representatives of clubs while the season's on for a start and two before anything's even... You, it was always at least kept quiet. Well, I, I know I sort of jokingly put it in the speedballing chat, but we we're not, it seem a far way away from uh, the Ashley Cole tapping up scandal, don't we? <laughs> but this, this is literally just, well, go on then come and meet with us right in front of everybody. Well, the Van Dyke um, Southampton one is like the equivalent of the Eduardo dive where it's the only one I can remember really being prosecuted in terms of like it actually being called out. Yeah. And all of these ones that happen, so like we know it's happening. Whereas, but with the difference with this, with Harland is that it's kind of, it's publicised, like beforehand, it's not, it's yeah. not even necessarily that means like they're going to meet. This is where they're meeting. This is the date, and it all seems very organised, like he's a free agent almost, and like the season's not ongoing. Yeah, we're at the point where Raiola's been put on his Instagram story defending um, that. Oh, I'm not actually taking twenty million commission that I'm asking for. That's the stage where him defending the commission uh, <laughs> in the gossip, because what leaked out yesterday was apparently. They're asking for 30 million a year for Haaland. They're asking for 20 million commission to Raiola, 20 million to his dad, who his dad must be some, must be one of his agents or something. And uh, obviously the 150 million on top of that to sign him. And I saw a thing saying Messi has to stay as well. You're going to finance that, are you? That's, that's going to cost him a fair bit. I just don't like when we saw the notifications of him going to Barcelona, and I was thinking. They're in financial meltdown, Jay. Yeah. They're just about to dissolve the whole club. They're just, well, the, the, they're just happy to ignore all this whilst the house yeah. is burning down around them. Like, the thinking is the, that... The IRS in Spain would be sat there thinking, well, they've told us they've got no fucking money, so what the fuck's happening <laughs> yeah. here? The thinking is, um, by most, that they're essentially... Madrid are a law amongst themselves. Like Everyone knows if they need cash, they'll find cash. Mm. But in going to Barca and in going to City... The hope is, and we know that the two clubs don't get on in uh, boardroom level, is by going to City, they're going to have Barca kind of <laughs> looking in the cracks of the sofa and saying, come on, we've got to find the cashier. Mm. We can't let him go to one of these English teams. And in going to Barca, they're having City saying, look, there's more, there's more appealing things out there. We might need to get a move on and get the ball rolling and kind of test everyone else and see if they've got the cash that we've got. Mm. So it is a game of chess, really, between, and that's probably why it's being so publicised. To it's, it's quite scary up. though, because if you imagine Haaland at any of these teams, you just <laughs> think it's fucking over, it's done. <laughs> like City's the Sarah scariest one because I we know, have to play them twice, twice a year anyway. <laughs> with um, Liverpool as well, because obviously FSG. They've just done that merger, haven't they? So now they've actually got money to spend again, and that's why they couldn't spend any last year. Mm. So and they've got to get they've got to get the final save from LeBron, though. Come on, <laughs> yeah, LeBron's true. got to say now. That would but be great. I just think 
whoever gets Haaland, it's scary. And it's almost as if we've forgotten that Mbappe's not signed a new contract either, so his contract's up soon. Yeah. So... I guess Haaland just seems more attainable because... Because of Dortmund. I, I think, Dortmund not even put up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> he also, I, he seems a bit spicy a lot. Mbappe is a bit of old news to us now. Yeah. <laughs> We're bored That's kind know. of how it feels in the way it's kind of going down. But it's, it's weird. The Ashley Cole thing was horrible as it was. But even like, it's not just this. I remember the uh, Gabriel transfer saga. And it is brutal because... You, you get so excited about a player joining and you get the, I know it gets right down to the here we go. But the Gabriel one, I remember it got to the point where they were saying that uh, Man United contacted them last night. He'll be making his decision at the latest by tomorrow. And it starts this whole thing where you wouldn't even have known about this before. It would just carry on a bit longer. And yeah. then fans are waiting for Fabrizio to tweet at like 10 o'clock the next day and say, oh, United didn't actually make an offer uh, He's still just taking his time because here are his options. I remember the Vardy one for us. I'd be sitting at BBC uh, Sport where they said Vardy's going to make a decision tomorrow as to whether he's going to join Arsenal or not. <laughs> These things are just mental. Looking back, apparently he was going to join. And then uh, he asked Wenger for first team assurances. And he said, well, look, I do really appreciate Olivier Giroud. So you'll have to earn it. And <laughs> that, that was what put him off. But these these things... They're more of an anomaly, but the transfer sagas we see nowadays, it's very rare you get one like the Fabinho's and Liverpool's, the one that stands out where the news broke and like three hours later he's there signed having his picture taken. Yeah, I remember Rubinho to Chelsea was the main thing. And it was Rubinho to Chelsea constantly, kit refreshing, um, BBC football gossip. And then logging on the next day to a desktop computer to finally gone to Man City in 2008. Absolutely heartbreaking. Even years ago, we didn't know until like later that remember Den Bar had pictures taken at Arsenal to sign from Chelsea, mm. and we didn't know about that until years down the line. And but then we get things like the uh, Fekir one to Liverpool, where the pictures leak of him having his official photographs taken, and they come out, and then the club actually have to come out and explain well there was an issue with the medical. This is why we didn't sign him. You never would have had that previously. So it's insane how things are going. Mm. I guess that's the thing with social media, though, isn't it? That all it takes is for someone to tweet with their location settings on or like just send a photo or put an Instagram story. You know, the Gabrielle ones, they were Arsenal fans studying cloud formations, <laughs> <laughs> saying this is a boomerang he's taken. So uh, if you look at the weather in France, it wasn't like that at this time and spotting <laughs> things in the background. And then it was exposed by a gardener that was doing the Airbnb that he was staying at. It's draining transfer season. Yeah, it is. No, I, I, I'll be honest, that, that level of access really doesn't appeal to me. I, I'll be honest, like you kind of get a little bit hyped about transfers and stuff. I just, I can't get as interested in it anymore. I kind of, I don't want to know every little detail in the same way as a lot of people do. I'd be happy if it wasn't there, but the fact it is there, I feel I need to be... Yeah, that's know. what... I, that's what I mean. I, for example, in your shoes, I couldn't have stayed particularly invested in the Gabrielle thing. I probably was like, right, check back in with me when it looks like it's actually happening. I just couldn't like follow it. It just, I don't know, it's kind of a, like a TV series. It maybe just goes on too yeah. long. I just couldn't well, they play it. at the Arsenal ones more because of our online following. And so yeah. they do really drag out each one. 
and there's Arsenal fans and we get annoyed about the announcements not taking place when realistically no club has the player signed and says you know what we're going to wait a couple of days here to announce it they announce them when it's done yeah but yeah. because of the access we have we're thinking why the heck we, we're the only club and everyone feels it about their club that don't announce it because we were seeing Chelsea announce like one every day like the player was signed <laughs> you know a picture of him posing and we'd have we had to wait for Gabrielle for them to set up a video call with him and William introducing himself. <laughs> but we don't need this. We don't need this. Just give us the he signed. Give us a picture of him in the club shirt. And that all creates like civil unrest in itself. I remember just seeing like all the memes going around of like Chelsea signing all these and then like meanwhile at the Emirates and stuff like that. Yeah. You quickly become a banter club don't you just by not signing someone can you imagine how like draining it is to announce all of these players last summer and for them to all have had the season that they have had though? <laughs> but you don't know that at the time I thought you were going to say no. it's draining to be signing all these players <laughs> do you realise like, how draining the excitement <laughs> it's, it's horrible you could... well, it makes you not want to sign anyone because I'm like I got so excited last season to just see Werner turn into fucking Voronin <laughs> no, the, the worst is when you deep down know how good or bad a player is, but because they've been linked that much, you do find yourself twerking for them. Like, <laughs> I had to have a look in the mirror a couple of years back where I was like, What do you mean, Leicester are getting Johnny Evans? Why haven't we put the money up for him? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's a brutal game. Um, but there we go. Um, just before we go um we don't have uh alex here so tk i will just ask you uh to give us your winner for each of these uh round three matchups oh boy um i won't give the last one because we're doing the podcast for those on thursday so uh sound um dark knight and the gladi uh dark knight and gladiator Oh, brutal. I'll roll with Gladiator. Casino Royale and Deadpool. Jeez, tough. Uh, very different, aren't they? I'll go with Deadpool still, but that's close. And then Terminator 2 and Training Day. Oh. Training Day, just... All right, and then the last one I want to ask you because we haven't announced that yet. But tune in Friday. We will have the last two matchups of round two. We will confirm the semi-finalists for Movie Madness and we've got another bracket all cooked up, ready to go. So thanks again for listening. Just a bit of a shorter one this week. Hopefully people have enjoyed it. We'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>